Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I'm hitting the record button with um, about three themes on my mind. Themes, T-H-E-M-E-S. I have a lot um, that I could talk about, but I think ultimately... Um, I think the three themes that are that I'm going to mention are the are what's guiding me, are uh, yeah, what's guiding me during this season, and when I say this season, I'm going to say this past week. So let me give you the themes: um, faith, T E as an extroverted thinking, and self preservation. And so easily, faith being from a spiritual or a religious paradigm, I think those two are separate, but some people understand them together, so I'll push them together. Spiritual-religious in this consideration called faith, or the theme of faith. T.E., Extroverted thinking, which is my second function or my auxiliary function as an INTJ. And um, I've been fascinated with TE in what I've called a recovery, the recovery of the TE, and watching me experience new levels of the TE. Like, oh, in terms of recovering, and I'm using air quotes for recovery. And every time I think I hit... The level, the maximum level, like, oh, I've hit recovery. Ding, ding, ding. Something comes up and I see yet a new level unlocked. And um, and I guess at some point I'm going to need to consider if these new levels, are they, are they really about recovery? Like getting back to where I was before I lost my TE. Never fully lost it, but my TE was damaged. Um, it took a hitting, it took a hit rather. And so I've been really, um, part of my recovery from that situation is about recovering in the TE, which I feel like I have until something comes along and I'm like, Oh, I forgot about that part of me. Oh, Hey, (laughs) so I don't know if that's recovery or if it's me expanding. It feels like recovery, but I'm like, good Lord. (laughs) I'm ready to be done with the recovery journey, if you will. So the recovery part of the TE is not really what I'm thinking about today, but it is the next level that has been unveiled to me, like that new level that's been unlocked where I'm like, oh, is that TE recovery? It's a way of showing up as a TE user this week that just floors me. It just floors me, wows me. (laughs) Um. And then what did I say the third thing was? Self-preservation. And um, so the TE part comes from Myers-Briggs personality theory, Myers-Briggs system for personality um, typing. And then the self-preservation comes from the Enneagram, as in the instincts. And so I'm an eight instinct. That doesn't even make any sense. What does that even mean? 
That's not what I meant. <laughs> That's what I'm not, I did not mean to say that. I'm a type eight. <laughs> and the three instincts of all the types, all the numbers are self-preservation, sexual, and social. And the theory goes, or the thinking goes, is that there is a stack, an order of preference, the top, the middle, and the, the bottom. And unlike, and this is what I want to go back and do some reading, because I've been looking at this the instinctual stack for so long, I forgot how the bottom of the preferred stack in Myers-Briggs is treated. So as an INTJ, the bottom of my preferred stack, the four functions that I prefer, because there's four that I don't prefer, and I've been thinking about those shadow functions in, in an interesting interesting way that's new, and, and it's around threat and danger and so I've kind of got a theory going as to when and how we access those lower shadow functions and my relationship to shadow functions in other people and I may have mentioned this once or twice across this project but I have a theory about my ability to tap into other people's shadow functions and it ain't pretty but anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. So in our preferred stack, in terms of Myers-Briggs, top, you know, the top, the, 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 the dominant, the auxiliary, tertiary, and the inferior, that inferior function is fourth. It's at the bottom of that stack. But I read somewhere that delineated the difference between being at the bottom of that preferred stack in Myers-Briggs versus the bottom of the instinctual stack in the Enneagram, and for so long I had it mastered. If you would have asked me, I would be able to explain. But like yesterday and today, I was able to, I was like, I forgot. <laughs> I can't really remember how to juxtapose those two systems in terms of the bottom of the stack. That's not necessarily what I want to process today. But what I'm thinking about is the bottom of the instinctual stack and how. Hold on a second. You know what, you guys? I don't remember. I, I think I might have them mixed up, but I'm just gonna talk, and um, and then if one if what I say is wrong, I'll come back and correct it in my either the show notes or on the website. Okay? Because I do have a page on my website for mistakes. I haven't really done much with it. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. I just haven't done much with it. But like. Like the word holonomy, I one episode I kept saying holonomy. Oh my god, that is so embarrassing! It is so embarrassing. It's holonomy, and so I did correct it in the show notes. I mean, excuse, but I didn't go to the website to put it there yet. So I'm, I plan on doing that. Um, and so in this case, when I talk about the bottom of the stack uh, for the enneagram, if I get it wrong, I'll correct it later. But I'm just going to move forward for the sake of this discussion. The way I'm going to treat the bottom of the instinctual stack is that we have a push relationship with it. I believe that in the Enneagram at the bottom of that stack, the, the, the preferred stack, excuse me, in the Myers-Briggs personality um, typology, the bottom of that stack, 
that inferior function is just weak. We're unaware of it. We're under uh, uh, unaware that it's important to us. We are unaware that it. Um, we prefer it. It has like an un, kind of like an unconscious, just a mistreatment because we're not thinking about it. We don't think we value it. We don't really understand it, but we yet we prefer it amongst the other four that are in the shadow. But I think in the Enneagram, that bottom, the third, we just don't want to acknowledge that. It could be the reverse, but we're just going to go with it. I'm sorry, you guys. I don't, I don't prep for these reflections. I mean, I don't really. Sometimes I might do a little reading, but for the most part, I'm just hitting the record button, just talking out of my ass. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, that's why I, that's why I only have three followers. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry, you guys, being a little silly this morning. But, um, so for my bottom is uh, the sexual. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, relationship that it has for me as an eight. So anyway, those are the three things. I'm thinking about self-preservation because I have, for a while, I wrestled between, am I self-preservation first and social second? Or am I social first and self-preservation second? And um, I have decided, (laughs) I have concluded that I am social first, self-preservation second. Although my heart coach has argued that I'm self-preservation first and social second. Nobody questions if I'm sexual third. It's pretty clear that the sexual instinct with me is like the third is the last for me. So, although I do have some questions, some commentary about that, but but the th- the theme of self preservation being on me this morning is about kind of thinking about how my my heart coach thinks. Am I really self preservation first? But. But because of S.E. being fourth in my stack, hold on. I'm sorry, you guys, I, I was coughing. <laughs> so, all right, where did I leave off? Um, but because S.E. is fourth in my stack and my preferred stack, I don't really have the consciousness of how the, the objects for, uh, the objects that relate to self-preservation Oftentimes, I, when I read about self-preservation, it's dealing with the material and the physical. And I don't have a consciousness of that, really. When you look at, when I consider myself through the Myers-Briggs and SC being inferior. So, I struggle with that, this idea that I'm self-preservation first. But this week... I just have been thinking about how I maneuver and I can see a strong case that while I'm not, while, while I'm not maneuvering based on material, materialism or material, a material condition, I can see self-preservation driving me. In a, in, a, in, a, in a conscious way that I have not been conscious of. So I still think at the end of the day, I am social self-preservation first. But I want to poke that a little bit. That's At least that's, what's on my, that's what, what I've been thinking about. So I said there are three things 
that have been um, on me this week or that are that's been driving me. And I don't know if I said this already. Um, I've been like a, in a little bit of a storm at work. And um, today is a quasi calmness. I'm a little calm today. But the reason why I say quasi is because I'm not 100% sure I am responding to some events that happened yesterday appropriately. So um, I had an a couple of experiences yesterday that that um, given me a, a calmness, but I'm not sure if how I interpreted those events. Um, I don't know if that's really accurate for me, and I don't know if I'm interpreting them as such because I need to feel calm. Or if they're, or if they really are calming for me, and I don't know, and I don't know to what extent I'm going to be able to unpack the storm that I'm going through at work, because I really don't want to get into the details of it. Um, just for a number, just for a number of reasons, and um, yeah, just for a number of reasons. But <laughs> from a personal perspective, because you know, I'm not, I don't want anybody to misunderstand my intent in this project, or any, if I talk about my job, it's really not about the job. If I talk about the job, it's not really about the job. This project is about me, um, really understanding my inner, my outer worlds. The job is just a part of my outer world. So there's a, so it's a, I talk about the job as something secondary because it's a part of my outer reality. But I'm, I'm not really focused on investigating the job, exposing the job, uplifting the job. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not about the job. It's about my, in, in my, about the job being in my sphere. And having an impact on me and me understanding that impact. I don't know if it's subtle, but it's different, okay? You guys, we're 50, almost 15 minutes in and I haven't done my disclaimers. And I really don't, really don't have a lot of time. Uh, if you're still here, I'm going to give you a short version of this project. Um, I feel like if you, once I get into 15 and 20 minutes, there's really no need to do the disclaimers. Because... If you're still here, then obviously it's something that is okay with you. I started the disclaimers when I when I started sharing apples out episodes, and I just wanted to, people to know that yeah, this is a podcast, but it's not a typical podcast, and I wanted people to know what was different. Um, and so let me just give a short version, an abridged version of my disclaimers. Um, it is a, I already said it's a podcast where I process my inner, my outer worlds. I use uh, personality theory. Um, I do bring in my background as an educator and a social scientist. I also understand myself as a, my lived realities, the, the reality, the life that I've lived um, as a black woman uh, from trauma, um, from low, from a lower socioeconomic background. All of that play have all of that has an impact on how I interpret the world and experience the world. Okay. Um, this project is unedited, is unscripted. It is, you get what you get. And there's something about showing up in this messy way. I, I was looking at one of the a podcasts I, I follow. And um, I haven't listened to this episode, but they presented something called like lazy thinking. And I was like, oh, I need to listen to that. And I immediately thought about this podcast, number two, because I have a po primary podcast. 
one of the things I haven't been doing a lot of um, reflecting, because I'm, I'm back in my writing life, the writerly self has been activated, and I needed to get some some work done, some writing done. So I've been getting up in the morning, and I've been using all of my NT energy into writing. Um, but I know that podcast number two isn't about research. It's not my, I don't think it's my best thinking, but it is my, um, like uncensored, inward, chaotic, messy, rhizomatic. It is that thinking. And then when I'm doing my writing or my podcast, number one, or if I'm working, my TE is activated to give, to, to, to put more effort into it. But as soon as I saw the lazy thinking, and I don't, I have no idea what that episode is about because I haven't listened to it. It made me think like, oops, <laughs> like, well, that's what I've been doing. Is it lazy or is it just the default? It's just like un, untreated, you know, and so that's kind of what's happening in this project. And I think that there are nuggets in there. There's something beautiful that comes out of being uncensored. Um, yeah, I think we censor ourselves a lot. We uh, structure ourselves a lot. We put the effort into presenting ourselves in a particular way, and that's important. But I think there's something beautiful that happens in the un-effort, <laughs> the uneffected, if that makes sense. All right, you guys, if you want to know more about this project, you can go to my website at youridom.wordpress.com. Okay? All right. So, um... I said, the, I said, faith, TE, and self-preservation are three things in our, that have been on me this week as I've been going through the storm. And I actually did an episode of, mm, today is Friday, mm, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday. I think I did an episode on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday morning. But I never released it. And I, actually, I just deleted it about 30 minutes ago. And it was titled The Task. Because I have been tasked to do something in my job that is making waves. And um, and the person who has tasked me to do that, this thing, it's complicated because that's a new relationship for me. And I'm not 100% sure how to trust it completely. The task that I've been given to do, I respect that. To me, that that task feels important. Although, I've pushed back on the task because I believe it is really... What I've been asked to do is something that someone else should be doing. So I'm like, respectfully, sir... That person should be doing this thing that you've asked me to do. But then the flip side is, what if the person, what if the person who's giving me this task already knows that, but the person isn't doing it and it has to get done? Now, fast forward to a meeting I had with him yesterday. He actually said that he said it to me yesterday, and he sent out an email. Two days ago, just basically saying, look, this has to get done. I don't have the time to do it. But there's another person, in my, in my opinion, who should have been doing it all along, that it should not have elevated to the person that has now designated it to me. 
So I've been opinionated about that, but in terms of it needing to get done, I don't think the person who's assigned it to me, we're going to call him the CEO. I don't think that he should have to do it. I really don't. So I do think it's an important task. Uh, I don't think that my pay level warrants me doing that task. My pay level, my position in the organization, I don't think it matches the task. (laughs) Does it match my ability? Yes. Does it match my wiring and my my, uh, instinctual self? Yes. (laughs) But it doesn't match my pay level. And, And let me be clear. I'm not saying my pay level like... You don't pay me enough to do this. I mean, that's kind of true, but I've never been driven like that. My career has, has my uh, my adult my career as an adult. Even before I was a degreed, I always differentiate between a, being a degreed practitioner, a degreed practitioner, or a degreed professional, and a non-degreed professional because. Oftentimes, people relegate a degree to professionalism, and people who are not degreed, those aren't considered professionals, and that's ridiculous to me. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So um, I just think they're different, a degree professional and a non-degree professional. Okay. So even when before I was a degree professional, I've always taken on assignments that were impact-driven. I've pursued work, pursued assignments that were impact-driven, that were going to give me new skills, that were a challenge for me. Mostly, 90% of the time, let's say 85% of the time, that incidentally gave me access to more money. But there are two times in which I had to take a pay cut, that I pursued something that was a pay cut. Um... And it's just like, I want to do this thing. Forget the money. This thing, I just want to do. I believe in it. Um, I feel good doing it. And it needs to get done. And I want to do it. Just, unfortunately, society doesn't value that thing. And therefore, the pay is not in alignment. Because we only get paid based on the need or how society has valued something. So, anyway. So, when I say I don't, it's, I'm, I'm. What I've been tasked to do is a pay grade. It's, it's not. It's above my pay grade. Um, it's not me saying I'm, I shouldn't be doing this because you're not paying me enough. Because I would, I would do it. I'm doing it. It's not about the money. But I think the thing that is difficult for me in this particular task is that it is. I don't really have the jurisdiction organizationally speaking, to do the thing. I don't have the power to do it. And this is what has created the storm. The CEO has given me a task to do something. Somebody else was supposed to do it. They didn't do it. And there's a there's a lot about why they did or didn't do the thing. That's a maybe one day when I no longer work there, <laughs> you know, we could talk about it, but um, that's political. Now I've been tasked to do the thing, and the person who would have, who should have done it, is now fighting me on it, on that. 
He's fighting me on it. He's fighting the idea that it, the task was given to me. And I get it. I would I would be fighting too. And that's what I want to tell the, the guy who's fighting. I'm like, yo, I get it. This is your terrain. This is your terrain. So in order, don't fight me. Do the thing. So don't fight me. Do the thing. <laughs> Take, you know, and, and just... So anyway, I understand. I really do understand it. I understand the fight. I understand the the, the assignment, why the assignment was given. I just don't know why it was fully given to me. I don't fully know that, and I don't fully trust it yet. So, that's all I got for that. And because, and this is something I left out of my disclaimers, but usually I say, I'm a critical race feminist. And I look at how power is treated, of course, according to race and gender and all of these other pieces. I'm dealing with boys. On behalf of girls. Does that make sense? The task that I've been assigned has is in is in relation to some girls. They're not really well. One is a girl, but but women or yeah. Let's just the, the female sex. Okay, so I'm going to say girls. What I don't know is if those girls are really, really, really respected or if they're just noisy. They're stirring up noise. Right? So have I been given this task? Because I too am a girl. And they're brown girls. And I'm a brown girl. Was I given this task because I was a brown girl to go and quiet the brown girls? Does that make sense? I don't know that. I don't know. But that has caused a storm for me this week because I'm having some internal conflict. Like the fem- the critical race feminist says to me, don't, don't silence them. And number two, don't use me to silence them. But I don't 100% know that that's what's happening. And I think I'm, I'm best when things conceptually make sense. I talk about conceptual maps when things fit together in in some kind of logic. I don't have to like it. That I don't get in a tizzy when it's something I don't like per se. I get in a tizzy when it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> so when I say it doesn't make sense, I don't know if I'm being used to silence these women. I know that that's a possibility. Because that's how the social world works around power. But the CEO, I don't really know. And I don't think it's fully fair to say that that's what he's doing. But I do have one eye open. Like, is that what's going on? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at you. I'm look, I just said that like I'm looking at you, the listener. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So that has caused some confusion, like the cognitive dissonance. The other piece of it is that. The thing that these girls are being noisy about, it's valid, but it's not concrete. 
that's tough. That is tough for me as an intuitive to know exactly why they are kicking up noise. But also as a thinker, extroverted thinker, knowing that the outer world is not going to validate that unless you can frame it in a way that is, um, I, I'm going to say concretize. <laughs> I need to go look that word up because that's the word that's been coming up for me. Make it concrete. I don't know if that's what it means, but let me just say, forget the word. We've got to make this thing concrete. It's not going to be effective in the abstraction that it exists right now. So that's not a problem for me because I am fairly good at that. I live in the abstraction. And I think that's good for me because I live where other people can't go. And because I live there, I can see things other people can't see. And then when I make it concrete and I give it to them, people are like, wow, how did you know that? Because <laughs> I live there. <laughs> and there's a training that I've just, you know, I've been in a lot of training, so we just did the last training. And... Um, one of the things about this training is that being we have to we're being trained on giving feedback, and there are three types of feedback. One type of feedback is called abstract feedback, where you're listening to someone and you hear what they're not saying. Mm -mm. You hear what they're saying, but they're not using words to say it. Right? They're communicating something, but they never use the words to say. So you're listening for that abstract dimension, and then you go and you give that abstract dimension a name, and then you give it to them and say, "Is this what you're saying?" And I've heard most of the time the person's like, I am saying that. Right? So I love this part of the training because it validates the thing that I do already. So abstraction is a thing. But in the world that the the industry that I work in, which is very much driven by People who have who are experts in abstraction, framing it, and then giving what's called new knowledge, new frameworks, new curriculum, new strategies from on top, basically. The people in my industry are kind of like bottom, I don't want to call them bottom feeders, but are, they're like at the bottom. And they're looking up and they're waiting for manna to come from heaven with this new thinking. But they don't understand that. Those of us at the bottom can do the very thing. We too can go and tap into abstraction and name it. You don't have to look up from these experts that come from these books that where these men who've written these books are gone. And usually these old white men, these these dudes that are no longer here. That we can do that. We have the ability to tap into the abstract, to name it, and to share with each other. So I'm in that industry and it's pretty antithetical to the abstraction in this really weird way because it's also driven by the abstraction. But it's also it's about who has the power, the authority, the credibility to be abstract. There it is. There it is. That's it right there. Who has the credibility to be abstract? Mm, 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 that is so good. So these brown girls who are raising up things, they're doing it for the most part in this abstract realm of understanding. So you take another brown girl, and then I can get it. Now, if I was tasked to silence them, I haven't done that. <laughs> right. I've just been like, okay, I get it. 
But here's what we have to do. We have to now make this thing concrete. And we have to understand. And so that, for the most part, has been going okay, except the there's a little bit of tension in terms of what they want from me versus what I'm giving them. Just a little bit, at the, in my opinion. But politically, that's important to me. And I have never seen myself stumble over my words. Mm-mm, that's not true. I've stumbled before. I've never seen myself so outwardly insecure. Uh, is insecure the word? Or vulnerable. I don't know what the word is. I'm going to say insecure because I don't know another word. And what it is is because uh, I can't. I can't get into the details of this. I want to make sure I honor them. If I, even if I disagree with them, I want to be able to honor them. And I also want to make sure I'm not being. You know what I mean? I don't want to be politically harmful to them. I don't know. I don't know any of that. So that's happening. And then you have the person who's fighting me because I shouldn't be taking that. And then you have this whole this sea of people who are like looking like, why does she why is she getting tasked to do that? Can she do it? Is she gonna fail? And then I'm thinking like, can will I do it's not that I I, I definitely think I can do the task, but with my power level, I don't know. Because this person is fighting me, which he has every right to, is now putting these hurdles in my way. And I don't have the organizational power to dismiss those hurdles. I really wish I did, because those are distractions, unnecessarily. And if I really had the organizational power that I need in this situation, I'd be like, I'd just step right over them. But because I, I now have to entertain them, let's pretend like these things that you're asking me to do, we, I've got to pretend that they're real. They're not real. They are not real at all. They're distractions. Okay? And they're trying, they're roadblocks. They're not real issues. They're roadblocks. But okay, now I gotta entertain that. And then on top of all of that, is a desire, and this is what's this is what's interesting to me. On top of all of that, is a desire to grow. So the thing that I've been tasked to do, even though it's not my pay grade, even though I don't have the organizational authority, even though I think somebody else should do it, even though I don't want to be used as a brown girl. To silence other brown girls. And I'm not saying that's what's happening. But that's something that I. I am watching. In spite of all of that. I'm doing the task. Because I can see how I can leverage that task. For future growth. And. That is an admission. That has given me a little bit of the calm from it. But it's a little bit of the calm. Like I just need to admit it. 
But what I really said was, what really gave me the calm was when I said, I had to redefine my desire for growth. Because before, like today is Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it can go back a week ago, two weeks ago, but it really, it hit a climax this week. And I was, and I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious that this was driving me. That there was a specific growth plant, a growth pathway I wanted to embark on. I had in my mind, that's where I want to go next. And that was complicating this whole journey because I, there are so many moving parts. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure I'm positioned to go to that particular growth place. And yesterday morning, really Wednesday night, but yesterday morning, it solidified. Let release that. First of all, I became conscious that that was driving me, that I wanted a particular growth plan. I wanted to be on a, I wanted, I had a particular object of growth. And yesterday morning was like, release that, release it. Nope. That's where the faith came in. Ultimately, you are a person of growth. And no matter what happens, what you've done already, you can already leverage that for growth in general. Maybe it's not over there to the right, but it could be to the left, it could be to upward, it could be back. Not, you know, you guys understand what I'm saying. It could be, I just was like, be a little flexible. And this is one of the trainings, one, one of the states of mind. Being flexible is a state of mind. I became flexible yesterday. Like, you're fixed on a particular growth plan. Back out of that. And I wasn't even conscious I was doing it. But once I became conscious, I was like, yo, what is that? You don't need that. Not if it's causing, no. So I backed off that. I was just like, mm-hmm. It is going. And then my faith kicked in. And my faith was like, well, I don't know. I'm not, I can't give you a scripture from the Holy Bible, from the, excuse me, from the Christian Bible, but two things come together for me. All things work together for the good. I think that's Romans 8 and 28. If you are a Bible person, tell me if I'm wrong. I think I'm pretty confident on that one. Um, there's another one. I have no idea where it comes from. I think this is scripture. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. What something like what I have in store for you or what I can do for you, right? I'm I'm setting myself focus on a particular growth plan. Step back and let God be God. I'm not God. I have God in me. That's my own spirituality. But let God be God. I ain't got to control that. I don't have to control that. Let God be God. And that is faith. I don't know how that's going to work out. And it's scary for me to give up control. It really is. But the good thing about it is that, and this is really not ultimately faith what I'm talking about, is that I can look over my shoulder and I can see the number of times that God has moved me forward. This thing that I'm calling God, right? This force, this energy, where spirit, however you define it, I really don't care, has moved me forward. That's not really faith because that's evidence. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The wait, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things unseen. 
the evidence of things that you've not seen. So for me to look back and say, well, you did, God did this, God did this, God did this. That's not really faith. That's evidence based. <laughs> but there's another scripture that talks about the, like the faith, the size of a mustard seed. I don't have to have a lot of faith. This is where people get it. People who are religious and they like want to police how, how you should do faith. And like God said, all you need is a mustard seed of faith. So this is just my mustard seed. My mustard seed was like, go back, look at all the ways that God has helped you in the past, chill, and do the be the best you that there is. Live with integrity. Pursue this with integrity. Use your skills, and it's going to work out. And give up control of trying to be positioned for that particular growth object. And that has given me the calm. That's given me the most, the bulk of the calm. Where I question the calm is where it was a meeting that I ended with yesterday with the CEO and another, my counterpart. And the CEO is really good at, he's a visionary. And I think this is what I love about this. When I say I love about him, like not romantic love, but professionally love. He's visionary. So even if it's not my vision, I love someone who can can see miles ahead before other people can see. So from one visionary talking to another visionary, you got me. I'm all in. And the fact that you're sharing that vision with me, mm-hmm. I like it. But there's a part of me that's like, what if you just saying that to you? <laughs> What if he's just giving you that visionary because he knows you're visionary and he knows that's your, that's your, there's a, there's a, um, a proverb, not a scripture. It's not in the Bible. I'm about 99%. Well, I'm a 95% sure this is not in the Bible, but men boil at different degrees. Men boil at different degrees. We all have a particular temperature in which we're ignited. We all have a particular way in which we're ignited and we come to life. And mine is around vision. Seeing a thing and creating a strategy to get there. So yesterday he teased me with another project. That people are going to say, why are you, why are you, uh, why, why? Why are you giving that project here? Now, the difference with this project is that he wants my counterpart and I to work together. My sweet spot, my magic, my superpower is not in collaboration at all. So that's part of me that's like, huh, I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to handle that. Because you're not going to get my superpower when you force me to collaborate with someone else. But then I say to myself, well, I can be creative and flexible in how I understand this this pursuit, this collaborative pursuit. But anyway, but when he put that in front of me as another project and it's about building and designing something like, and you know, we are in masks. So all we see, we're really just looking at each other's eyes. My, my eyes like lit up. <laughs> you could just see like there was like stars in my eyes. And then I saw him noticing that. Right. <laughs> He also had given, he also said something as a um, defense to me. And I was like, no, sir, I didn't say anything. He said, you didn't say anything. You didn't have to. You're, 
you were squeezing your hands. I was like, damn, that's good. That's me. I take in all the data from the bottom. I take in all the data. What a person is saying, what they're not saying, and what they're doing with their bodies. And he he read me. And all I did was laugh. I didn't confirm or deny. I just laughed, right? So I'm I'm excited by that. Um, I'm excited by the idea of seeing me and another person, right? And somebody who's further along politically. I've been looking for a, a role model for a long time. There's a part of me that wants to see him as a role model. Then there's another part of me that's like, you know, I don't know if I can trust you. You know, are you using me? Then there's another part of me that says, isn't that what politics is? People use each other. I have no idea. So I have to go to my faith. My faith says, it's all going to work out. You just have to do you. You just have to do right by you. So... So I've covered the faith piece. I haven't talked about self-preservation or the TE as it relates to this theme. I think the TE is is probably as obvious. It should be self-evident. The TE is like, yo, we get to go and take action. We get to go and take strategic action. And part of the thing that I'm doing is I'm now analyzing and diagnosing a problem with the I'm going into that abstract realm, making it concrete, and then I'm trying to figure out what are we going to do to solve this problem and who are going to be those barriers that have been put in front of me. All of that's delicious. The barriers feel like a waste of my time, right? Because I know if I had the power, I could just overstep those barriers. But nonetheless, you know, it just is using my NT. It's my flow, y'all. It's, it is. And I'm a writer. I get into flow when I'm writing. I get into flow when I'm building curriculum. Oh, you guys, I can lose my, particularly when I'm building curriculum more than writing. But writing is a flow state for me. When I build curriculum, it's a flow state. But this task that I have been assigned is activating like a TE flow. And check out this. This is something that I'm going to close here. In that instinctual stack, sexual is third for me. I really believe it is. But what I realize is that when I'm in flow, sexual is picked up. So even if I am social, self-pressed, what gets me into flow state where I, is when all three of those instincts are alive and well. And this sexual, you guys know, is really like one-on-one intensity to own it, to have a situation I own it. It is mine, which is the reason why I'm not excited about collaborating, because I want to say I did. <laughs> and not only do I want to say that's bragging rights, but I want to be able to possess that thing with my wiring, with my gifts. My, and and really produce something that is impactful and helpful. And, um, yeah. And so then self-preservation me, I see also in terms of, I think there's another part of me that has also been like, yo, I don't want to, I think that's been part of the conflict. 
I don't know how to explain it because on one hand, something is pulling me and the self-preservation of me is like, yeah, but if you go over in that space, it's going to make you vulnerable. It's going to give you more visibility to people who are not going to want you to be doing that with that level of power, especially because you technically don't have the power and it may not even be real anyway. This might be something that you're just being used to do, right? So the self-preservation me is like throwing all of these questions out. And so then I've been, the self-preservation me has been trying to also maneuver to keep myself safe and trying to do two different things. And I think that is kind of where the faith came back in. And again, it's like, yo, just you'll be okay. So I did. I started thinking, okay, if this if this crap this S-H-I-T, right? If this crap blows up in my face, start preparing, like, you know, over when, over winter break, start putting some applications out. <laughs> because I, I don't know if I'm not going to, I don't know if I cannot be T-E driven. I don't think I can be. And, and, and in this particular space, Vision a visionary that tease is just like a pull, and I don't like it. It is something that it just and then I if I and the more I can possess the thing, oh my god, my my my. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so instead of trying to avoid that thing or trying to, it's I've been it's like playing this mental jujitsu or whatever, however you say it, because I've been trying to. Position myself just right, just so I can keep myself safe. So I said, another way to do it is just keep get your applicant, get your resume updated. Just put some put your application out there, not because you want a new job, but just because just in case you find yourself without a job, <laughs> be ready, you know. And that's one of the reasons why I like to have a savings. They say, if you are listening to me and you're an effort, you are a brown woman, a black, or if you are a woman of color, um, they say that. When you, women of color in leadership, and I would think any woman, but women of color in leadership should have a savings for at least six months to live off of. And I'm so stressed because I I had that. I don't have it anymore. I'm, and now it's the Christmas holiday. I'm just really struggling getting my savings back. But anyway, I'm working on it. And to, uh, what was the other thing? To have a savings. I don't remember what the other option was, but to always kind of be positioned, keeping yourself, your skills sharp, you're keeping yourself relevant for other jobs. And so I want to be honest with you. I'm going to be really, really, really honest. There is a part of me, the self-preservation part of me, that is a little afraid because I just came out of hardship. So I'm very familiar. It's very recent that I was struggling. So that's another thing, like that self-preservation, like I'm, I'm being overly conservative and I'm not fully being me as an NT user. When I say NT, I mean intuition and thinking, right? So I'm being, I'm on the conservative side. I want to play it safe because I don't want to go back to that place of hardship. But then my faith says... All things work together for the good. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. I got you. And I have to trust. 
I don't know. And I've been thinking about spirit. I have a, a friend of mine is visiting me for five days and she's a, an ordained reverend. So maybe that's why I'm talking about God. So there's this thing called process theology that I've been, she gave me this book last night. I've been reading it really interested in, I want to come back and unpack some of that with you. But if you guys listen to some of my reflections at the beginning of the year, my, one of the things I said I wanted to do for 2021 is to get back into faith it's just hard because I no longer subscribe to some of my faith training in the past. So without having some kind of fr- external framework for faith, I've been like, it's really difficult. So I'm really interested in this process theology concept. Um, Cause you guys know, I got a book this summer um, in my grandmother's house, which is really like a, my grandmother's theology based on, not my grandmother, but this lady's grandmother's theology. So when I was sitting in my car, I was sitting in my car yesterday and I was just like, maybe this is just how the universe is bringing you back to faith. Maybe this is what it is. Because I know I'm not going to be any good in the world if I cannot be in my gifts period. And for so long, I've relegated my gifts to my business, which is still there, but I'm not living off of my business. It's not giving me an income. So I'm, so now I'm taking these jobs and then I'm not getting all of my gifts, mainly because they didn't really give an opportunity. Well, here is now a, there's a moment in this job where something is opening up, giving room for my gifts And I'm a little nervous about it because I'm not in complete control. I don't know who to trust. I don't understand. I don't know what the full agenda is. I see the abstraction. And I don't have, I got two choices. I can move forward according to my talents and and my gifts in the way that I see the opportunities for it. Forget what other people are doing, right? What if somebody is setting me up? What if somebody set me up to fail? What if someone has sent me whatever? You they cannot control my gifts, and I'm very confident in my gifts. I'm not gonna fail in using my gifts. I might be harmed based on their agenda, but I'm not gonna fail using my gifts. And that's what my faith tells me. Look at, look at in the past. Look, that is your gift. These are your gifts. You're good at this. Do it. And if you're harmed, I got you. You're, go- I'm going to cover you. I don't know. <sighs> Cause I was, I'm telling you guys, you guys know I was in financial hardship. So I'm going to be really honest with you. That's scary. But I know what's even more scary to punk out, right? To punk out and to live according to fear. I can't do that. I'm scared to live according to fear. I can't, I can't do that. I cannot sleep with myself at night if I let fear govern me. So I have to do it and just believe that no matter what, I'll be okay. It might hurt. <laughs> I might have to go back to hardship. God knows I don't want to. And I pray that I don't have to. But... I I just heard Spirit say, we got got through it, didn't we? Oh, boy, I'm getting too old for this, though, Lord. Please don't test me. (laughs) 
Let me have a little place, a little time in the surplus and thriving and all of that for a while, okay? Please, thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. All right, you guys. Uh, <laughs> If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation on faith, self-preservation, um, gifts flowing, um, abstraction, if any of that connects to a conversation you've had in the world, will you please take this reflection and share it with those participants? Always asking you to tell them at what point in the, in the reflection they should listen to. Minute 16, minute 42. Don't require them to listen to the whole thing, Okay. Unless you feel like they would be interested in the whole reflection. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, I would love to hear that. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Let me give you your assignment. Oops. Hold on. You can find me on my webs. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. On Twitter, yournidom1. Facebook, NIDOM Leadership, and YouTube, you're NIDOM. Now, let me give you your homework assignment. I'm going to hit the pause button. I'll be right back. I know what I'm going to name this episode. Faith, Fear, and Flow. I could say fear, flow, and faith, but I want to say, I don't know why that order feels important to me. Faith, fear, and flow. All right, so with that title in mind. Is there a flow state in you that you have found yourself trying to mitigate because you're afraid of what happens if you really go there? You may not have had this experience. I could ask you, is there something that you're afraid of and that you, you don't do and you need faith to do it? Yes, so that's one way you can look at this assignment. Is there something that you fear that you need faith to do it anyway? Okay. But I really want you to think deeply about, is there something about when you get into such a flow state, it magnifies you at a level that scares you and it makes you feel, at, it makes you feel vulnerable and it exposes you. Because it's it it balloons you out in such a way, especially if you want to if you're a person that wants to be like under the radar, especially if you're an introvert like I am, right? I'm an introvert, but I got big T energy. <laughs> there's a <laughs> okay, there's a song that's really inappropriate, and then, anyway, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I have big T energy, T E energy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I should name it that. But anyway, what have you experienced uh, fear in terms of your flow state? And how do you, how can you use faith to press through? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.